Hello, everyone. Welcome to CBA's At The Bar, a podcast where young and youngish lawyers have unscripted conversations with our guests about legal news, topics, stories, and whatever else strikes our fancy. I'm John Amarillo of Tastatinius and Hollister, and joining me as my co-host today is my friend, Trish Rich of Holland and Knight. Hi, Hi Trish. Hi, John. How are you? I'm well. So before we begin, I think it's important to congratulate you. Go on. You recently married. That's true. I finally suckered some poor fool into marrying me. Married in Hawaii, right? That's true. That happened. I was not invited. You were invited. Stop it. I invited you to my wedding. I was there. And you didn't invite me to yours? Well, to be fair, my wedding was three weeks later, and you were very busy. I was back from my honeymoon. Okay. Um, Well, I will tell you, we, we tried very hard to elope. And that did not work out as well as we planned. So had we known people would want to come, we would have done something slightly more convenient. That's perfectly okay. I think of Hawaii as like the Caribbean for people who want a Walmart available on their vacation. Yeah, we're definitely Walmart people. Yeah, Yeah. okay. (laughs) Anyway, joining us as our guest on the pod today is Josh Death, the founder and owner of this fine institution where we are tonight, Revolution Brewing. Josh, welcome to At The Bar. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us as your guests here. Thank you for this absolutely delicious beer, which I'm going to be sampling heavily throughout the podcast, by the way. So, Josh, you are the owner of Revolution, which automatically makes you pretty much the coolest person I know. Uh, You also have strong connections with, obviously, beer and Michigan, which probably makes you uh, Trish's dream guy, right? This is really awkward since I just got married, but... I also am into both beer and Michigan. Yeah. Met my wife in Michigan. She's she's (laughs) actually from Michigan, but yeah. Yeah. So, Josh, let's talk about where you're from, um, what your path was here. You know, Trish probably wants to know, quote unquote, what your situation is, despite the fact that she was just married. (laughs) Hey, you always got to be looking. I've been married for 21, 20 20 years. Happily married 20 years, right? Congratulations. Prince, 1999 plus 20. It's a new year, and so I was a little thrown off there, but yeah, that's how you remember it. Wait, were you just prepping for Y2K? Is that what? <laughs> we had to get married really fast before Y2K happened, yeah. and the whole world fell apart. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. I, uh, here's a fun story that no one really picks up. When I was a baby, I, I was born in Miami. When I was a baby, I moved and lived in Belgium for a year. In, in Leuven, and it's today the town where AB InBev, the largest global brewer in the world, oh, wow. is headquartered, who bought Budweiser and that, yeah. that other little brewery here in our town a long time ago. And um, yeah, and so I, I grew up in a dresser drawer. Supposedly I slept in the dresser, and I have some pictures of myself with Belgian bottles of beer when I was one year old. So I, I credit that, and then um, got my life straight. Didn't drink any beer in high school. Because that would be illegal, and we have a bunch of lawyers here, so I'm trying to be (laughs) glad to say that. And, um, yeah, I went to college in Ann Arbor. I grew up in Boston. Um, Moved out there. My family moved afterwards. And, um, yeah, studied engineering, studied economics. My mom wanted me to be... A lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) There it is. And um, didn't pass that bar, but, yeah, the bar joke has already been made, so... (laughs) You know, I do get to spend every day in a bar, in a sense, and that, that's, that's a beautiful part about that. I got into brewing in college. I figured, like, um, maybe I was a little bit too cheap to, to buy it at the store. Like, I just wanted to make it for myself, really, kind of a do-it-yourself person early on, and got a lucky break in 95 here in Chicago, 
came for an internship uh, in uh, affordable housing and uh, had a part-time internship doing that. And I wanted to work in a brewery that summer and I got a job in a brewery when I was 20, a place called Golden Prairie, just about four or five blocks from here. Uh, that went away, but now it's making a comeback. And yeah, I cleaned kegs and then I kind of worked my way up, worked at a few other breweries, worked at Goose Island when they were getting off the ground with their big production brewery and growing big. And then eventually always wanted to open my own brewery Came up with the name Revolution about 20 years ago. Quit my job at Goose Island. All the business plans kind of fell apart. Didn't work out for various reasons. Opened, uh, did a lot of things in life. Fast forward, fast forward, and we're opened up Revolution almost 10 years ago. We're coming up in a couple weeks to our 10th anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations. I will, I will drink to that. Yeah, yeah let's drink to that. For so sure. other than not wanting to pay for it, what drew you to beer? Yeah. Like the act of making it, the process of making it, you know, and it's, it smells up the house. And, um, but I was living in a, a cooperative house in college, 40 of your closest friends and a big kitchen. We already had the big soup pots. All I really had to do was get the ingredients and I had plenty of people to help sample the beer and enjoy it. Um, so, and we still, even today, like the making of beer. I just got out earlier today. We were doing a collaboration with a, another brewery in town can't talk about it, super secret, but you can it's tell gonna us. Be, it's going to be pretty awesome. And, this is all um, covered under our confidentiality This was like rules. the second or third, yeah, second <laughs> or third like meeting where we like of your get friends. together and drink a bunch of beers and try to figure out what it is that we're going to do. And yeah, it was pretty cool. Today we came up with a uh, concept idea. We're going to brew a beer. It's going to go into bourbon barrels and age for a year and come out a year from now. Pretty awesome project to get into that. And we'll go to their brewery. They'll go to our brewery. We'll get to drink beers and have fun. I don't know. I if you, you know, don't work a day in your life, there's some saying about that, but it's pretty awesome. So when you were, I, I want to back up to the Michigan days, if we could. Jesus. <laughs> Michigan, all right. John, you Michigan. Can, you can step out if you like. Uh, no one cares. Okay. So first of all, the co-op housing, how close were you to Blimpies? No. I was pretty close. I uh, thought you might be. Yeah, just a couple blocks. Yeah. A couple blocks. I was a vegetarian, though. Blimpies is like the burger place. Yeah, it's and, gone now. Yeah, and it's gone. That's not my real question. So my real question is... We're cutting um, all of that in post-edit, by the way. Yeah, you, you, you don't own me. I, I do what I want. The, <laughs> I, li I lived across the street from Geppetto's and Mr. Oh, Spots nice. and the Blue Front yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, so when you were brewing your own beer in college, you must, I mean, at least in my timeline of events of my life, it seems like you must have been on the forefront of that, right? So like uh, when I was in Michigan, uh, I was drinking Bell's beers from so, Kalamazoo. Those were the okay. beers that inspired me on a, like a commercial basis to like, um, like we would see them and they were like uh, a glorified step above homebrew, right? And like they were at that point sticking labels on by hand. I knew people that volunteered at the brewery mm -hmm. and you would get paid a case of beer for sticking labels on beer and you could, and you could drink as much beer as you could drink while you were doing it. <laughs> so I should say, when you were at Michigan during that time, I was in Kalamazoo. I did my undergrad at Western Michigan University. So it wasn't until... This podcast until... isn't about you, Trish. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it wasn't until I moved to Chicago that I realized not everybody's college beer was Oberon. It was called Soul Sun yeah. back then. Then he got sued by Soul, the Mexican beer. And he had to change right? the name and got a... We're going to call that an intellectual property uh, kind of <laughs> issue you. here, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've captured everybody's attention. We're getting there. Is this <laughs> yeah. So I think Trish's My question... least favorite thing to do What's with that? lawyers, probably. Sue people? Intellectual property. Oh, it's like the worst. Oh. I have to like, call other breweries up and be like, yeah, I noticed like you're making a beer. Didn't you like Google that thing, man? 
You know, and it's like we have a beer with like that Wait. same name. I hope you're not and, suggesting uh, that our jobs can be outsourced. No, it's to just Google. like uh, we do, we do lots of different things with lawyers, and as a even in business, let's just even set aside the lawyers for the minute. But it's just not like you. Of course, like we make great brands of beer, and we and we make beers. We want to sell beer to people who want to be familiar with the name of the beer. That's the whole purpose. I get it, but the act of what you actually have to do. We consider a lot of these other breweries that are around, and today there's. 8,000 breweries in the United States, pretty crazy. Please don't open any breweries. Become a lawyer. Um, <laughs> yes. is that we definitely you, uh, have a dearth of lawyers. Yeah, yes. like all the good names are, are taken. And, but we generally, like, like I talked about, we, we want to do a collaboration beer with other breweries. I don't want to have to call them up. I had to call up a couple breweries that like we are good friends with the owners and the brewers. And some of them are even bigger than us, you know, and you have to like, <laughs> like, uh, but I, I like, I, they, yeah, you have to work it all out. And so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawyers, lawyers. So let's talk about kind of the undercurrent of the conversation you guys were just having, which is the explosion of craft brews right. in the United States over the last 20 years. I remember when I was in college, apparently I wasn't lucky enough to go to college in Michigan, um, like an exotic Sorry. beer in D.C. was Blue Moon. You know, that was, that was micro, or Sam Adams. That was cool, you know, because it wasn't Budweiser and it wasn't Miller Lite. And now I go to Binney's local liquor store and there's a crisis of choice that takes me half an hour just to find, I don't know, yeah. a, a six pack. Can you walk us through that history a little bit? Sure, and you were talking about how we're like, we're on like the cutting edge of things. So certainly like uh, as a 20 year old, getting into beer and working in a brewery was pretty cool. I didn't have a lot of other friends at that age who were working in breweries and you know, it's like, but there wasn't like a brewery program in college either. And so it <laughs> wasn't like something I had prepared to do with my life. My wife had a business degree and like the idea of opening a business, anybody can open a business and it's, it's the American dream and all that. And um, yeah, but it, it just, there was a point where you realize like I can do that too. I was working at Goose Island, you know, and that mm -hmm. was very inspired by the Hall family, Greg Hall and John Hall's father, son, but really opened by the father and then the son kind of grew into the business, grew up in the business. And um, you know, it was very inspiring to see what they had done. Uh, this is obviously I worked at Goose Island before they sold out, but it was pretty, awesome place to work even like now they make a lot of different beers and they were really exploring a lot of styles the you get into culture we were they were just starting to for example to get into belgian beers which goose island is kind of known for they make a bunch of them back when i worked there in the late 90s they had were never really making any belgian beers they were really strong in english ales and yeah. stouts and porters and some german styles of beer but but what's behind like this renaissance in beer this explosion in microbrews and craft beers over the last 20 years i think it's me Oh, okay. It's You're like my a, consumption. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. What's behind it? I know, obviously, it's like, you know, in the 60s and 70s, there really wasn't a whole lot of choice. You talk about the overwhelming choice now. It, of course, is like a reaction to the lack of choice that existed. The, we were the laughing stock of the world for our beers uh, right. in the mid-20th century. And then people like Sierra Nevada were turning 10. I saw the other day Sierra Nevada is turning 40. Oh, like no. this week, and that's crazy. Same, they're, Sierra Nevada. They're a huge inspiration. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like, that's a huge inspiration. That was like a similar story where somebody started brewing beer in their garage and built it up from there. I, I, I today I was, I was, I was driving out, had lunch with someone I work with, and we passed by uh, an old junkyard that it's in Bucktown. Imagine that you have junkyards in Bucktown, but there used to be junkyards in Bucktown, and um, I had bought my first big kettle there and I put it in the garage and I had built a little brew system 
in my basement that I ended up spending all the time fidgeting with it and building it. I never actually brewed on it, but it gave me like the inspiration to like, hey, maybe I can do this for my own and kind of figure it out. So you're like the Bill Gates of beer. He started in a garage. <laughs> And now you have this place. Yeah, but he went it was to a, a basement. That was a basement. Right. Yeah, right. Basement. yeah. Did have a garage, but there was an old beer can when I bought that house. It came with like an old beer can collection from the previous owner of like some of the old Chicago breweries. So there were Chicago breweries before Prohibition. I think today, I saw it online on like this Facebook thing that there's like today was the hundredth anniversary of the first day of Prohibition. Okay. I know it started oh. a few things talking about laws or something. Um, I think there's this document, oh, this federal document or something like that. I saw it under glass once. And they put some words on it that said 100 years ago that you can't drink alcohol. Imagine that. It's so weird, you know? <laughs> it's just the, the, the fact that what we're sitting up here laughing and talking about, and it's like a major cultural thing in our country. And of course, it has been for people have been making beer for a long time and wine and everything else, but that it was illegal, that we outlawed it as a people, as states, as whoever. And, uh, and today it's. Yeah, it's you know it's a it's a free market to open a brewery. That the the um, barriers to entry are pretty low. Do you think it's reached its saturation point? You know Have what the barrier to the... entry is what? to open a brewery. You gotta hire a lawyer, man. It's oh, like, what if I know a lawyer? You gotta apply advice. for it, and like it's you can do it without applying uh, hiring a lawyer. Probably there Bad are ways, idea. but it's like that is like and and they get paid first. You know, you guys have that thing figured out. We have tried very you know, hard to make that happen. Yeah, like the architects in a building project, they get paid after the lawyers. And then the general contractors never get paid. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, and even early on, I think, I tried to open Revolution Brewing myself and fill out forms, and it failed early on. We did seek, like, legal advice and benefited from good lawyering early on, and we were passed from one lawyer to another. It was like, how are you raising money for this brewery? It's like, well, I was gonna like get some friends, and <laughs> I was like, oh, you need to talk to this kind of a lawyer. I'm like, okay. So, and how did you come up with the name Revolution? I like how every time I bring up lawyers, like you change the subject to someone else. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can continue that's to talk cool, about how cool. great lawyers no, no, are. It's like, I'm, I'm all in the, on um, that. And how necessary we are to hire. I think that's how really everybody that. should hire one of us immediately. You have no choice. You have no choice. <laughs> Uh, it's my, my best friend Michael came up with it. He's an investor in Revolution oh, today. Oh, I was going to say, yikes, old don't home say that. Partner. No, no, he's like my best friend, and we, you know, we would, you drink beer, the best beer names and the best names of breweries come after a few beers at the bar generally. And, um, you <laughs> Wait, know, it's, a, it's an evocative name. It kind of like, obviously, it's a, we feel like it's a powerful name. It's a great name for what we're doing today. I try not to like define it a whole a whole lot for everybody. I think it's pretty open-ended type of a name that people can imagine what it means to them more than we're not trying to prescribe like we are definitely a revolution in beer, but sure. Um, and and your logo, I think, goes sort of your raised fist logo. Yeah, this is like yeah. a, a version of our original logo with the originally it had a five-pointed star. My mom thought it was too commie, so okay. we switched <laughs> switched to the Chicago star. This was like before the Chicago you're star a was like owner. you're a capitalist, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Revolution. Wait, you know. Are you gonna give us so all our tenth anniversary. Someone was asking me earlier. Was it you? It was like our tenth anniversary is February third, and we're already planning. Like, you know, we don't have a big event that day. And I heard on the radio today on the way down, it's like that's the date of the Iowa caucuses, man. It's like. Oh, you're competing. So, so now I'm lot. thinking about like no, how can competing. we integrate like our anniversary into that? We don't like as a company. 
we don't endorse candidates and, and all that, but man, I've been to Springfield a bunch of times. But it's definitely Elizabeth Warren, right? We deal with it. Wink, yeah. wink. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're, you know, your, your tax bracket's way too high for Elizabeth Warren. I do love Mayor Pete. I just he's so great. <laughs> all right, we probably shouldn't get into this. I like to say I'm like a socialist with a capitalism problem. <laughs> you definitely have a capitalism problem as I look around. <laughs> yeah. The other one is I was a socialist before it was cool, okay? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I will buy that bumper sticker. Spoken our, like a true uh, Logan Square person. One of our, one of our first earliest beers, I think it was the fifth, fourth or fifth beer we ever made, is Eugene Porter. It's named after Eugene V. Debs, oh. union organizer. Um, we were talking about yeah. union organizing earlier, and um, he organized the... Uh, the Pullman factory, not the Pullman porters, but right. that's Randolph, the but uh, the factory, and they, they, they had the big riot mm-hmm. on the south side, and I think he was actually a teetotaler for the record, didn't drink beer, but at the same time, he's an inspirational figure. I, I learned about him uh, in Michigan. Yeah. There's a little society out there that would take everybody out to the, the Detroit Tigers baseball game in the summer and celebrate and, and, uh, and talk about his life. So, I don't America's know, we, we, team. Yeah, we like to pull back. It's like, back when people lived in Detroit, Trish. And, C- connected into today and have fun with it. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Who knew we'd get into some socialism talk here? <laughs> okay, okay, so that's a perfect segue yeah. to a personal bugaboo of mine. Let's talk about the hops arms race that seems to be going on with craft brew. It seems mm. like everyone's just trying to squeeze more and more hops and beers. And as someone who is like slightly allergic to hops, I find that obnoxious. I'm, I'm also allergic a little bit to hops. Is that right? Yeah, I, just, I found that out just... A little while ago. I feel like I'm it's coming like an out. overexposure thing. Coming right? out about it today. I, you know. <laughs> no, this is big of you. Speak about al- it. Safe space. The allergy doctor was like, well, we can like, uh, you can come by every week and we can do like the immunotherapy. We inject oh, you with no. like a little bit of hops every week. I'm like, I inject myself with hops every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. Um, What's behind that though? Yeah. Hops are like a, a, a unique ingredient to beer. Uh, I once saw, had a hops and seaweed dish at a Jamaican restaurant uh, on the north, north of Howard in Rogers Park, but it wasn't very good. And uh, uh, I was a vegetarian for a long time, and like, that, that got me really excited as a vegetarian. But um, they're, they're pretty bitter to just eat. You don't want to just like, eat them off the, the, the vine, but they're not used in a whole lot else uh, besides beer, but they're, they play an, a unique role. Um, beer is you know, barley, hops, Water and mm-hmm. yeast are our four primary ingredients, and the barley provides the sugar, which we ferment into alcohol, and the sweetness that we like in, in beers. Um, and the hops provide the bitterness that balances the sweetness. They also, these days, provide a lot of the uh, flavors of beer, which come from the essential oils of the hops. Um, it's going to keep it simple here on the chemistry, but, you know, a lot of new hops have been cultivated in the United States, particularly in the Pacific Northwest. The hops are native to uh, the Midwest, including Michigan. We what make what? a beer. Whoop. And uh, one of my early business partners helped start Hophead Farms outside of Kalamazoo in uh, what, what? Hickory Corners. They have a good diner there with some pie. And, um, I never would have done that. Basically, our Michigan podcast. It's the Gilmore Car Museum. It's like around the corner. From I know exactly where that is. And um, so, and, you know, out in the Pacific Northwest is where they grow most of the hops. Okay. Uh, it is a couple hours east of Seattle. It's like an irrigated desert with no bugs. And that's important because the hops are very susceptible to disease in various ways and mold and things like that. The hops are perennials. They come up every year. You can plant them in your garden. They'll grow great here in Chicago. They'll kind of take over a little bit. They're not really colorful. They're green, but they'll grow 30, 40 feet tall. You can string them up to the roof of your house. Mm-hmm. They're fun to trellis. And um, again, they provide these great flavors to beer. People have 
I'm drinking a, a hazy beer here, and people have, over the last kind of five years or so, figured out new ways to take and use these hops and combine them with the different grains to produce tropical fruit flavors without any fruit being used. It all comes from the hops, and so... Okay, hops, so hops, hops drives the flavor, that's why... Yeah, so a lot of these IPA is the big style of beer right. of, of recent note in craft beer. It's the majority of what we sell is, vast majority is IPA or pale ale, like this city pale ale. But Antihero IPA is our big seller. Hazy Hero is, is our new one that's selling a lot. And it's, you know, people like this bitter flavor, you know, and there's, it's part of like, not all craft beers have this, you know, as a feature of them, but man, it's fun. It's, it gives us... We have like 30 or 40 different varieties of hops that are cultivated each year that we can get and we can go out to the farms, you can meet with the farmers and say, hey, I've got a fresh variety that we're, that we're just growing up this year and it tastes like uh, coconut. They're like, awesome. And your mind spins about how can I use a, a hop like that? And, um, but it's also a preservative in the beer. Okay. So a long time ago, that's when hops came into beer is like in Germany, the Reinheitsgebot, the purity law, law is... Um, <laughs> requires that beers they, they didn't even know about yeast back then but it was like but you b- want to be careful when you're talking about germany and purity like that's, <laughs> uh, i get it it's still yeah. awkward is it still awkward yeah it's still still it's awkward. too soon okay. if you haven't seen the rick and morty episode with the snakes man it's like it's a good one <laughs> on that subject i recommend yeah. it all right pro the, or con yeah so like hops they're a member of the cannabisiae family they're the closest botanical relative to, to marijuana and... Okay, wait. Can I interrupt? There we go. No, go for it. There's some law yeah. stuff going so on that, about that, that, too. So, so that... So, marijuana, recreational marijuana. marijuana. I've hold been on. One, just wait. Just sorry. hold on. This is I've a good question. I promise. Go, go, go. Okay, you want it? Then? No. no. Well, I... So... Okay, I'll ask. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, recreational marijuana was just legalized Maybe in Illinois, heard. where we're sitting. Oh, yeah. Do you expect that to affect your business at all? Sure. Are you going to start selling it? No, no, it's like not a business area that we're looking to get into right now. You know, it's like, it's not clear technically today as a federally permitted alcohol manufacturer. Yeah. I don't, there's not currently a, a legal pathway forward for us to put it in our beer. Um, you know, to, to, it, it's a risk to our business if we were to throw, open sure. a storefront next door. There, there's a dispensary on the block down the street. On opening day, the line came all the way down. Here and you know did what we did. Anybody stop in? It's closed now, so the staff no is over there. They're gonna laugh at me, but you know what we did? We made a stoner menu. We had a chimichanga <laughs> with flaming hot Dorito dust on the top, and uh, and it was like one of our busiest days in a long time, right? It was cranking. It was. We just had decided to have fun with it, and that's a lot of things in the world happen and will change your business, and this is one of them that's obviously out of our control, and you just try to adjust and change with it the best you can. Um, yeah, I think you can look at the Colorado experience. There's been studies. Mm-hmm. People in, some people in uh, the beer and the alcohol world are like genuinely concerned and worried mm-hmm. about like share of uh, I don't know intoxicant. Yeah. Share of intoxicant. I am not, not leaving you. For I like marijuana. to say share of liver, and, but it's no longer share of liver. It's yeah, it's like share of good times. Really, you know, and people have options for good times. And you can it's hey, it's January. Thanks everybody coming to a brewery and not observing January. Right? That guy right it's there okay. is. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I tried okay. that three years ago. Who's never doing again. Dry worry? Come on, raise your hands. Only one? All right. Shame. There's like, there's please, like three or four leave. people at the brewery doing it. Judgment. Cool. I don't think at the brewery I'm allowed to have an HR policy that says you may not do dry worry. Mm. 
it's, it's just part of the world and it's changing and you adjust to it. You know, we already have a rule, like, it's like, you can't come to work drunk, you can't come to work stoned. Someone's wait, like, wait, someone's wait, like, wait. do we need a new, a new HR policy? Like, we already have one, you know? You and, and guess what? All the employees already smoke weed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, uh, so, great. Sorry, mom, but it's, like, it's illegal here, mom, you know? You know, I didn't become a lawyer. I'm sorry, but, you know. <laughs> Is your mom going to listen to this? Uh, mm-hmm. Should I apologize to her, too? I think, but you, know, you never know. All right, and with that awkward question, it's probably a good time for us to take our first break. Perfect. Thank you. This episode of At The Bar is brought to you by courtfiling.net your solution for filing in over 100 courts in the state of Illinois. Courtfiling.net provides a better e-filing experience, focusing on speed and ease of use in the e-filing process while quickly addressing the pains that can arise from a newly mandated process. Courtfiling.net is affordable and offers 24-7 phone, email, and chat support. Visit us at courtfiling.net to take advantage to receive 30 days unlimited free electronic filings and see why it's the best solution for your firm. Let courtfiling.net worry about your e-filing so you can get back to taking care of your clients. Seeking to expand your legal network, sharpen your skills, and obtain free CLE? Unless you plan on being a professional failure, that's probably a good idea. Join the Chicago Bar Association today and connect with lawyers and judges who lead Chicago's legal community. The CBA will help you expand your personal and professional networks while providing practical programs and resources that meet your specific practice needs. New lawyer membership starts at just $82 a year. Learn more at www.chicagobar.org. And we're back. So, Josh, I was looking at your menu and realizing how little I know about beer. We have India Pale Ale, Ale, White Ale, Red Ale, Black Ale, Golden Ale, Imperial Ale, Porter, Stout, Rye Stout, Milk Stout, Pilsner, Imperial Stout, Red. For a ignoramus like me when it comes to beer, what are, what's the difference between all of these styles? Like, let's, <laughs> let's start with an education because, you know, I'm a, I'm a whiskey and wine guy. I'm going to admit that, because yeah, no, no, uh, I, I just sense from our prior conversation that, again, this is a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that safe. It's not that safe? Yeah, <laughs> no, you're, no, no. you're judging me so hard I, right oh, now. Oh, very yeah. much so. Okay, so, but you've got ales, porter, stout, sure. pilsner. Talk to me about the differences. Well, there's style. You use the word style. There are there's styles. Like in wine, you have varietals, right? We talked about that a bit previously about the different uh, varieties of hops, and they're, it's like different DNA is affecting flavor that way. Uh, in beer, we have style because we're blending a bunch of ingredients together, and a lot of the styles uh, come from places. You, know, you mentioned a bunch of colors, like uh, wit means white and red and black and golden. So some of these styles are, uh, you know, reference back to the color of the beer that people see. Way back in the day, all beer was dark um, okay. because the, the malt that we used was, was kilns over like a coal fire or a wood fire before they, they used gas kilns. And back in the day, people drank their beer in a, a, you know, a ceramic mug, so it really didn't matter what color your beer was. But and eventually you picked that color up from the charcoal? Yeah, that? a little bit. It was a different, I'm talking like way back in the day here. But, you know, and then eventually the beer glass came around. People cared about the way their beer looked, the head on their beer, the flavor of their beer, 
And then different cultures and different places develop different beers. And, um, you know, India Pale Ale, we'll tell the story of the ships for a minute. And it's like, in, in England, they made bitter and they made pale ales and porters and stouts. These are all English styles. And then they started sending uh, boats to the East Indies to rape and pillage, essentially, right? And, so um, you're, you're, you're <laughs> anti-colonialism, anti-imperialism, yeah, we that hard stance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do okay. you, like, you want all the silks and the spices, uh, and how do you get people to go on that dangerous, fairly dangerous long journey on the ship is you put some beer on the ship for them to drink on the way over, or you Shanghai them and they wake up on a, on a ship. And, and the I, beer. I, I could see myself getting caught up in that pretty easily. No, that was actually a thing. They would clear yeah. out prisons. But, but yeah. all seriousness, the beer had to last the journey. And good old regular beer, they were just getting into bottle beer. Beer was mostly at the beginning a thing you made it first at home, and then you would drink at the local pub on tap, and then eventually in bottles. Cans came much later. And they had to make the India Pale Ale stronger so it would last the journey. So higher in alcohol and more hop bitterness to help preserve the beer. We talked about that earlier. Right. And so. Uh, fun fact, ready? The so ready. Dutch East India Company was pretty much acknowledged as the first, everybody? Corporation. Corporation. Yeah. Mm. So, wow. Like, wow, like, you guys. Telling the government. So disappointed. Like, We're not going to, hey, government, you want us to be colonists and go get the silks and spices. Like, this is a dangerous business. We're, we keep losing every third ship here, you know. I'm sure it was all just about the dollars. And so they said, great. We will give you limited liability. Don't worry about it. No one will sue you. Uh, just go ahead and do your business. And there you go. That's like, and then the British or English East India Company, you know, these are, this is where this idea came up that you can have a concept of someone who's like not a person but can be treated like a person in the law, so forth and so forth. But, you know, it's all about beer, everybody, right? So, about beer, I noticed, so when, you, when we first came up here, you were drinking something out of yeah. uh, a different beer, out of a fancier glass, and you have now switched to a secondary beer. I'm drinking a Fist City right now. I know okay, we have some Fist beer City. samples if you want to talk okay. about Fist City. Well, I, what, yeah. it was, what was the first beer you came up with? I was drinking Legal Hero. That was the, the special beer we made that came out on January 1st. It related to the earlier conversation we were having. In recognition of the fact that all lawyers are heroes? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I can't That's tell if this is That's a drinking good. game because he just took a drink. So is this, is this the, is this a drinking game? <laughs> all lawyers are amazing I'm, drink. I'm, I'm not getting in the okay. drinking contest with Josh. Um, and so, and then which, which one are you drinking? Fist I'm drinking City Fist City, City right now. Okay. Are we, people have samples of beer? Is that yeah. what I heard? I, I'm told. Is there some kind of program around these? Or do we all right, just, so yeah, let's Can we go just there. drink them? Or? Fist City. So we've been passing some beers around. Fist okay. City is the first one. Tell us about this beer. Fist City. I actually had lunch, some tacos today at Big Star in Wicker oh, Park. And this did you beer, have the walking taco? That's my favorite. Uh, I didn't, but, okay. but rock, <laughs> rock, and roll, rock and roll for the walking taco. <laughs> Um, I had a Panza, a Pastor, and a Pescado. I love Big Stick Star. Stick with the peas, and you're good to go there. And um, this is a collaboration beer we made with Big Star. And uh, it's still on tap at Big Star, Fifth City Pale Ale. And it was, man, it must be five, six years ago that we made this beer for the first time with them. And our brewmaster, Jim Seebeck, came up with a recipe for a beer, that uh, a nice, sessionable pale ale. We were selling our Antihero IPA Already back then, we wanted to do something that was a little lower in alcohol, more sessionable. It actually has lower bitterness than an IPA, but uh, it actually uses more hops for aroma, more dry hops, 
and it has a really nice kind of grapefruity citrus flavor from a combination of American hops. And we did it with Big Star, and then it grew from there, and we eventually put it in cans, and it's uh, Revolution's Big Pale Ale. It's, it's great. I'm a big fan of this. It's not my favorite Revolution beer. What's, what is your favorite? Um, well, I'll tell you in a minute, but I am going to ask you... I, so much suspense. I know. Who's, who's asking I, the questions here? Well, you know, I, I've, I feel bad asking this, but I'm, I'm going in, because I always do. Uh, this has to be the worst question you always get. It, oh, you already you, asked, uh, what does the name Revolution mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this is, this is going to be worse. What's was, my favorite beer? Well, okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not going to no, answer, no, no. answer that one. Of no. your beers, which, are, which is your I favorite? ordered this at the bar of my own volition today. In addition to the sample that was put out. Wait, you have several beers in and, front of uh, you. No, but Fifth City is a go-to kind of beer for me. And um, this is just like a, when in doubt, go for a Fifth City or a Rev Pills. Okay. That's the, uh, another beer in what we're calling now our City Series of beers. And these, again, are sessionable beers, 5, 5.5% 5 ABV. Beers that you could have a couple of or after a long, long hard day. Couple ten, yep. Yeah, a couple two, three. And, you know, the Rev Pills is a German-style beer. It's a lager beer. But it also has a nice aromatic hop quality from a different set of hops. And so sometimes you want to go to, you know, Fist City. Sometimes you want to go to Rev Pills. And okay. those are my two go-to kind of that are on all the time, that are year-round. We make a lot of seasonal special beers as well. I have a follow-up question. Go for it. Revolution doesn't exist. Your favorite Chicago beer, including Lagunitas. Ooh. Yeah. Because um, we're going to pretend for this story problem. Sure, sure. Um, that's, that's a good one. There are lots of good beers out there. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, like a, you love all your children? Is I that mean, what you Natty that, that's, Light. That, that's right? my answer to your Some, other question. Yeah. Mm. Natty Light. <laughs> um, <laughs> not a Chicago and beer. I, yeah. I also, and I know you've talked a lot about Goose Island, and I haven't Go ahead, change really, the subject. Wait, yeah. no, no, come on. I, I think you you had him on the spot. Why are you I laying know. him off? I think I have to exclude Goose Island. Because they got bought up? Okay, a little bit. You don't have to exclude anything. It's just a beer. Yeah. You know, you can talk about a brewery and who owns the brewery, and that matters. And uh, I encourage everyone to support your locally owned independent breweries. But, but anyone, separate the art from the can, artist. can make beers. Um, okay, so including Lagunitas, not including Revolution, favorite Chicago beer, go. There are so many. Do you oh, know that they're within like a mile or so of here? There are 10 breweries in planning or like open or in planning right now. It's one of the highest like densities of breweries in this Logan Square area. Woo! Um, <laughs> wow. All right. There are so many of them. Like, obviously, like, for me, the, the three Floyds beers, which are Northwest Indiana, mm -hmm. which I consider local in a different, you know, yeah, a I, geogra I'll, I'll geographically extension. I, I call them Chicago, and half of the people that work there live in Chicago. They call themselves Chicago. That's where they sell most of their beer. And so they make great beers. And, then, and, and Half Acre, yeah. You know, uh, that may have been the brewery that we met with earlier today to talk about doing a collaboration. Ooh, secrets. And, um, Wait, we are all bound by confidentiality okay. here. Thanks, people. I'm not saying anything. You're here first. Damn it. I've had too many beers. Yeah. Um, they have really paved the way with, with hops and the combination of hops and a lot of small batch beers. It's, yeah. it's almost like not really just one beer. It's like you go it's there, a family. and you know, it's, we do a similar thing at Revolution, but we're definitely inspired by them. We just go there and try the latest creation that they've come up with, and their artwork is freaking awesome. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Half Acre. They're in my neighborhood. I uh, and they're our generation brewery. There's all these young upstarts, and you know, we'll see. I, I just there's too many beers. I get I don't even can't even taste them all. You so. try as hard as you can, right? 
We all try hard. <laughs> so what's the second beer that we have up here? Um, a little crazy. Tell us about that. Cool. This, we're, so we're sitting in the, the Revolution Brew Pub today for those on the internets and all that. And this is where we started almost 10 years ago. And then we have a big brewery on Kedzie in Avondale. Avondale Pride, baby. Uh, up on Kedzie and Belmont. actually accidentally went there first, so they're yeah. familiar with it. <laughs> it happens like every day. So the neat thing about A Little Crazy is it's made today at the big brewery. Uh, it's our winter seasonal or kind of winter into spring, you know, New Year seasonal. But it actually was created here at the brew pub a long time ago. Um, on the can is one of our brewers and one of my great friends, Maddie Kemp, who started out as a, a bartender here at Revolution when we first opened. He actually worked with me at the Handlebar, my old restaurant, uh, before that. And uh, he also was my assistant brewer at Goose Island when I was working at the, the Clybourne Brew Pub. Uh, so I've known Maddie for a long time. And um, he, he fits the bill a little bit for the name of the beer. But it was a beer that was created as a second runnings beer. We, we make, today we're, we're well known for a beer called Straight Jacket. It's a barrel-aged barley one. Sounds we, crazy. Yeah, it's really strong beer. We <laughs> see some barrels, whiskey Sorry. barrels. You said you like whiskey. So it's a bourbon barrel-aged barley wine, a strong, sweet beer, like 12, 13, 14%. And then you, wow. you brew a beer like that, and then you have a lot of leftover sugar water, the wort that you make. And you, you would otherwise put it down the drain, but you can just pause for an hour or so, finish up the first beer, and then you can go ahead and make a second beer with the kind of the weaker strength sugar water. And it ends up being a lower in alcohol beer, more what we would call a session beer today. And we were making Straight Jacket, uh, I think for the second time, not the first time that we made it, but this is back in like 2011 or so. And we were like, let's make a, a small beer, a second runnings beer. And we were like, let's do something different with it, not just make a, a regular old ale. That we, it's a primary kind of beer that we make. And we used a different yeast. So we used our Belgian wit yeast. You mentioned that beer. Um, we had that around. And then we used a new hop at the time called Citra Hops, which are very popular today. And we combined those ingredients, and the beer became, we had the Straight Jacket, which is, before it's barrel age, it's called Institutionalized. It's, it was part of the Repo Man movie soundtrack. Anybody? I'm sensing a theme yeah. here, though. And, um, yeah, we've got a fan out there for the Repo Man soundtrack. We did a beer named after every song on the soundtrack, like Coup d'Etat and When the Shit Hits the Fan. A brown ale, by the way. Nice. Didn't um, you have a movie shot here? There was the a movie, movie was like at the other brewery, yeah. Olivia drinking, Wilde drinking and Olivia Wilde. Oh, yeah, I forgot and, about that. Like, I'm, you, I'm not like a celebrity follower because I think social no. media is generally like a, you know, Don't let him an amusement you. park for clinical narcissists. But He's all like Kardashians, Kardashians, Kardashians. Oh, I have this whole theory about how they're like responsible for the downfall of American culture. We should do a pod on that. <laughs> they are terrible people. They're the worst people ever. We can't come up with a con opinion. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. No, so. my wife. Oh, yikes. Yeah. I love your wife. But. Yeah, well, no, we'll bring her on. <laughs> Josh, I interrupted you. You no, were no, saying. No, no, it's okay. A little crazy. It's important to know it's a hybrid beer. So it's kind of part Belgian ale, part American pale ale. It's a Belgo or Belgian American pale ale. And it's great. It's where like two styles come smashed together and you get the taste of a Belgian beer, but a little bit of the hops from the citra hops. So, so this wait, is the first on. time I've tried a little Cheers, crazy. Cheers, everybody. Everyone have beers yeah, everyone, up there in the yeah. audience? Let's involve the audience. I know we're going to do that soon, but cheers. Enjoy the beer. Well, why don't we do that now? Let's go to a Q&A. We've been asking all the questions. Yeah. Right there. Mm -hmm. Come on up. We've got a microphone set up. We'll cut out all the dead air and post at it, so take your time. This is where I should tell my hilarious jokes. Uh. 
So you mentioned earlier um, that you felt that Goose Island had sold out. Mm. Did I use that word? Okay, they did sell. They did. This is Megan from New Jersey. (laughs) Awesome. I'm not wearing my hoop earrings. Um, You know, there's an Anheuser Busch brewery in uh, Newark. Newark. I know. I growing up when we went to the airport, you could always see they had this like rotating old school neon sign. And I actually still associate the Anheuser-Busch logo with excitement because it was right outside the airport and it usually meant that we were going like on vacation. This is better than what I thought you were going to say, which was... Oh, no, it gets worse. I think I associate the Anheuser-Busch All right, keep going. logo with pilots flying planes. So oh. better than I thought that was going. No, so. my secondary association is actually you. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, but so... I don't actually know a whole lot about their arrangement. So they distribute like 312 and Greenline, um, but they also have some ownership over their local brew pub. Um, do you know, can you provide some information about that arrangement? And then do you ever foresee Revolution having sure. something not similar, but that something that also allows you the opportunity to provide for example, the state of New Jersey with the opportunity to purchase your beer commercially. So are you going to sell out? Everything's legal in Jersey. I think it's the question. First off, it's important to note that our beer is available in the fine state, the garden state of New Jersey. Yeah. It's not like a big seller out there. We would like it to be a little bit bigger. You can get Revolution today in nine states, including the New York City metro area. And then we added on Jersey. Because it kind of goes well with that. We've got a great beer distributor out there. And um, where can you get it? It's hard to find. It, it, Jersey has lots of independent liquor stores. This is a cool feature of the liquor laws in Jersey. Dude, you are stalling. You, this was not the question. I'll get to your question. No, but I'm very interested. No, here's what we're talking about no laws for a minute. No one cares about New Jersey's liquor laws. In Jersey, you no can't own a lot of <laughs> liquor stores. You have to have, you know, you're only allowed to own one or two liquor stores. So they don't have chain liquor stores. Binnie's, even the grocery store like a Jewel or a Mariano's, you can only have like Total Wine. There's like a couple Total Wines like our Binnie's that they have out there. Wegman Grocery Stores, there's a couple of them. But if you want alcohol in Jersey to go, you have to go to an independent package liquor store. And that's a feature of that state. Every state is different. Um, a okay. feature or a and, bug? Yeah, there you go. There's a quick, <laughs> quick thing on Jersey for a minute. Um, we have a lovely woman named Brittany. Shout out to Brittany if she ever hears this, who, who's our salesperson out in New York and New Jersey, and she does a great job. So the, the long and short story, I worked at Goose Island for three years, and I talked about them earlier, and obviously it's a, an influence in my career and revolution, of course, too. It inspired me. I never really expected to compete necessarily in a big way. That wasn't the goal. I just wanted to open my own brewery. I thought it would be kind of a small brewery at the beginning. And yeah, they've, you know, they have sold their entire company to Anheuser-Busch InBev. It's wholly owned by them. They did it in a couple chunks along the way. And, um, you know, there's a book written by Josh Noel from the Chicago Tribune, um, Barrel-Aged Beer and Selling Out or something like that, that you can read. And I've been on here and done a panel with him. And we try not to comment a lot on other businesses. It's a good practice, right? Advise your clients not to, like publicly talk on podcasts about their No, 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 it's perfectly okay as long as you begin every sentence with, in my opinion. Yeah, it's true. Then you're Good. safe. Um, today, in my opinion, they sold out because, fill in the blank. Today, Revolution <laughs> sells more beer in the state of Illinois than Goose Island Boom. does. Yeah. Revolution I, is I also the number one 
independent brewery in Illinois, right? Yeah. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, there's lots of ways to, yeah, number one, independent. And we just actually, now we're actually selling more craft beer than any other brewery. We just passed a couple big other nationally owned brands oh, that wow. people consider craft, some of which have been mentioned on the stage before that you might have mentioned. But, you know, it is competitive. There are competitor in the marketplace today. And we, we are an independently owned craft beer company. And I'm not, by the way, the only owner of Revolution. I mentioned uh, my friend Michael and Nunzio who opened the hop Wait. farm and a bunch of investors. I am the managing, I'm the managing member of a manager-managed LLC. Yeah, we all know yeah. what that means. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and um, and there are a lot of people early on put their money into Revolution to help make it is uh, what it is today. And yeah, I value our independence highly, and we all do at Revolution. And like, I didn't open this business to sell it. That was never like an objective from the beginning. And, um, you know, I think it's important that you set your business up well from the beginning. You have to contemplate uh, not your exit strategy, but you have to contemplate the future when you open up a business. A business like sucks your life. It sucks up your family's life and your friends and everything else. There are negatives. There's lots of positives. I've talked about just enjoying what you do and, you know, but if you set it up right and, you know, then it's like the business is good. We don't have to sell. You know, you try to, right now we're, we're coming up on 10 years. We're starting to pay off loans. We're moving towards like financial security as like a, a company. We had like 12 banks who all said no and never give us a loan in the first place. And now they knock on the door and ask for <laughs> to be our banker. That's got to feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So is, it any, is it any of the actual same bankers? Because I'm really imagining uh, that like, Julia Roberts. No, the bankers all change. They big mistake. They go work at a different bank. Big mistake. mistake. Like, big yeah. mistake. Yeah. All right. So other questions? Pretty woman all over again. Right there. So you've alluded to some of the competition you've talked about mm -hmm. on the pod and also some of the um, different ingredients, but I guess my question is a, a hybrid of that. Where do you see keeping revolution out at the forefront, competitive, coming out with new stuff? Is it staying on top of ingredients like the citra hops you talked about? Is it talented brewmasters? How do you stay out ahead Best of lawyers. competition? Best lawyers. All of the above. You know, it's like there's not one thing. There's all those things. Like, you got it. You answered your own question. It's like you have to be innovating. Um, the last panel I was sitting up here on was about, like, flavor trends in the new year and what's coming up. And you have to, like, okay, let's raise our hands. Let's be interactive. Who has had a hard seltzer in the last month? Raise your hand. All right. More people than are doing January for the record. <laughs> and uh, like that is the, <laughs> that's the major trend in the alcohol world right now and in beer. And it, you know, it, it, for the most part, it doesn't tend to take away from like anti-hero business, our craft beer business. It's taken away from light beers, taken away from wine and spirit occasions. And um, yeah, no, but it's pretty major, right? And um, Mike's Hard Lemonade is based in Chicago and that's who owns White Claw. And they're about, and, and they don't that? own any facilities. They're about to build, they are building some massive facilities. One in the great garden state of? New Jersey. Yeah, I hear it's opening in April. And, uh, okay, I'm not going to say the, the next thing. Okay. <laughs> but it, it's a major in influence. And so innovating flavors, innovating beers, all the styles that you were talking about, John, right? Yeah. We're always like, we look at the numbers and see like what's selling. We just finished up uh, another year here at the pub. The best-selling beer year-round was our Cross of Gold, like our easy-drinking beer. It's my dad's favorite beer. We just refreshed 
the packaging on that beer. We added a CTA L car going over the tracks because we're going all in on Chicago. We're put on the can and on the, the box of the beer, proudly brewed only in Chicago because some of our competitors, they brew their beers not at the New Jersey bud plant, by the way. They brew their beers at other bud plants, right? But it's the truth, and it's like it's out there, and it hurts a little bit, but people should know where their food comes from, where their beer comes from, you know, where the apple is grown. You know, you got to put on the apple like, where it's grown, right? In beer, you can get around that. You can put on the beer, the zip code of the multiple breweries that you have, not necessarily where it was exactly made. It could have been made at one of these three breweries, by the way, possibly in Chicago or possibly in New York or Colorado, right? And, and that's a legal maneuver or a, a, you know, labeling requirements are a big part of beer in addition to the IP. There's like what goes into a recipe, being truthful about what goes into your beer. And so that kind of innovation piece where we're always looking at new flavors. We're reinventing some of our beers. Now, now you get to be mature. It's a 10-year-old brewery. You've got to think about, hey, man, we were brewing that beer 10 years ago. Does it need to stay the same? Some beers do. And then some beers need to change with the times. Right now, better for you and healthier like implications of beer. It's illegal to, to make a health statement on an alcoholic beer wine or liquor package. Lawyers. Yeah. What do you need us to lobby for? Just tell us. Well, of all the things that I want you to lobby for, it's okay. You know, and it's like, we have a good business. So you're anti-colonialism, anti-imperialism, anti-capitalism, yeah. anti-lying. This is your platform. That's what I'm getting. Pro-beer. <laughs> if the lying benefits me, come on. Well, <laughs> I find if you, just, so, if you just laugh at John's jokes. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. no, yeah, we get along great. So we have time for one more question. Truth in advertising, sure. I think. Jack, come on up. Is Anheuser-Busch going to listen to this thing? Or? I'm sending it right to him. No, your mom is totally going to listen. Uh, all right, I got, I got one. This is a, uh, it's a two-parter. Um, a room full of lawyers, and I think we can all agree, when you're drinking beer, um, there's no exemptions for any uh, laws or regulations that apply, but why do no laws, uh, why are there no laws when you're drinking claws? And yeah. second part, um, when are you guys going to get in the seltzer business? Yeah, it's a related question. Uh, yesterday, or the day before, I walked out of the front of the brewery, and by the bike racks was a black cherry white claw. And it was just like, I like, I'm in favor of um, lowering the drinking age. I'm in favor of drinking in public. These are like, people ask me, uh, especially with, with marijuana legalized now, what's next, right? What are the things that can change? You know, and there's obviously like other things that could be legalized. But we've got to think about the constraints in your life and what is legal for all of us to do. We have like self-responsibility and do the right thing as well. So I think that's important and like like in new orleans you can drink anywhere but do you want your city to be like new orleans right and yes no, i do i think well um, but like there are places there's room for in chicago a big city like us to say that there are certain zones and places that are people generally want entertainment but they don't want it in their neighborhood right uh, like who wants a club like to open up a block from them right, right? no i'm um, in river north i get like it zoning want to talk about zoning let's not talk about zoning but I, like, I got involved in zoning way before I opened a brewery when I was in urban planning. I got a degree in urban planning and housing and a lot of other community work and zoning work. And I knew the zoning code back and forth. Uh, I quit my job at Goose Island, did a bunch of other things, but it prepared me well. We get a zoning change here. We had a community meeting 10 years ago, and it was like 99 in favor, one opposed to give revolution a zoning change to open a brewery in Logan Square 10, 12 years ago. And people were like, please bring it. You know, like, you know I can't even get... 
know, there's very few choices of places to go. Yeah. The neighborhood has changed a lot. It's incredible because you guys are now a gem of this neighborhood. Yeah. Let's just talk about White Claw, though. Yeah. Right? <laughs> What's worse, to talk about gentrification or talk about seltzer? I don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's, um, they're like both things that I can't like directly control. Okay. Like, that I'm a player in and involved in. And this is like, what can you do? We are not going to make a seltzer. Like, we're pretty out there on that point, and I'll reiterate it. We have some projects in mind that are like closer towards that, that we still consider a beer. Seltzer is beer masquerading not as beer. It's taxed as beer. That's what makes seltzer interesting versus like a wine cooler that's actually made with fermented fruit that it's taxed as wine. Um, and so, or like those little Jack Daniels cocktails that I used to drink in high school. Yeah. Those are, you know, if it's liquor and it's Wait, distilled, then it's taxed as liquor. High school. I mean, your story's oh, I didn't drink, changing. I didn't drink in high school. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I am in favor of lowering the drinking age because, like, I, so what I, would you lower the? Yeah, that's the my radical age point to. of the day, right? What would you lower it to? Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Twenty-one to eighteen. We just took cigarettes up from eighteen to twenty-one. Yeah. And um, it's just fine, and it's like it's it's just a law. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's like, just is a it, law. Folks. He says to the room full of lawyers. Is it, is it, gonna, is it really going to change uh, 19-year-old smoking habits? Maybe. You know, like the public, like smoking has come way down. You know, major public health initiative around that, right? We just legalized marijuana. And we're kind of encouraging smoking, you. at least here locally. You don't have to smoke it. And there's positives and there's definitely negatives around smoking things and this is like I'm. I don't want to be a legislator. You know, I've got my hands full, and <laughs> someone does though. Someone has to be a judge. I, you know, my you know my wife says, "Oh, stop judging me." <laughs> Women, I, am I right? Well, <laughs> I'm not gonna go there. But it's like smart. At You're the very brewery, smart. at the brewery, we do taste panel every day. I did it today. We taste beers. We are critical of them. We How judge do I them. get invited to the taste yeah, panel? It's, it's one of the privileges. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, today we were tasting barrel-aged beers. So it's a fun taste panel. I am so Yeah, but it's like you have to be critical. You have to mm. judge. My, my opinion is, my wife doesn't like to hear this, but it's like we're constantly judging all the time. That's like giving your preferences, saying what you like and dislike. And you got to keep it cool. you got to be respectful while you're doing it. And you, you all live in this world where there's this thing called judges that it's like aspirational, I guess, or it's the top of the pecking order, or maybe someone wants to be a judge in this room. Are there judges in this room? Probably not. They don't come out to things no, like this. No. But it's like, I don't know. I think it's like we should, uh, I think we should clap for the judges, for the people who are willing to like say, okay, this is what I think is right at the end of the day. There aren't many other elements of life that I see that where we, we appreciate people who make the critical decisions like that, that. level of trust. Yeah. yeah. So I think we are running short on time, uh, but I, I do want to ask you one final question. And that is, uh, so when you were in, uh, you mentioned you went to um, school in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that was the University of Michigan. Was what was it? my favorite bar in Ann Arbor? Dominic's. Okay. <laughs> it's obviously Dominic's that is the only right answer, but that's not my question. <laughs> um, <laughs> When you started home brewing in Ann Arbor, you presumably made some beers. Mm-hmm. And uh, my question to you is, here at Revolution, what is the beer that is closest to the beer you started making first in Ann Arbor? The very first beer I made was called Bodacious Bitter. 
And, uh, <laughs> I love it already. The Fist City that we're tasting, generally, like, one of the concepts is, like, if you have it on tap, it's a bitter. And if you have it in a bottle or a can, it's a pale ale. They're closely linked styles of beer. So the, just the Fist City that we're drinking. The so, idea is here is just, like, a nice drinking beer with some hops in it. Hop forward, but some malt character. That was the very first beer I made. Yeah. So you heard it her first that Fist City is a Michigan beer. <laughs> Don't answer that. We're going to take our next break, and we'll be right back with Stranger Than Legal Fiction. Need a lawyer? Steve? I do. You look like you need a lawyer. The Chicago Bar Association Lawyer Referral Service has been making referrals for over 70 years to attorneys who have been thoroughly screened for experience in over 40 different areas of the law. Call 312-554-2001 or visit us online at www.chicagobar.org backslash LRS. Getting legal malpractice insurance doesn't have to be complicated. Let CBA Insurance Agency do the heavy lifting for you. We shop to the top carriers to find the best rates. Get a free quote by visiting cbainsurance.org. And we're back. So we close out every episode with a game that we call Stranger Than Legal Fiction. The rules are very simple. Trish and I have done a little research on the internet. So we found a law that is still on the books or existent or should be. It really shouldn't be. And then we've made another one up completely, and we're going to poll each other and Josh to see if we can distinguish strange legal fact from fiction. Everyone ready to play? Yeah. All right, so we're going to involve the audience, since we have an audience this time. So we're going to poll each other, Josh, and then the audience, based on noise, I suppose. All right, Trish, you want to lead us off? Sure. Um, although, with a disclaimer, number one... I've switched to the, what was it called? The Legal Hazy Beer? The legal Lord. Hero. Legal, legal hero. hero. Legal. I've switched to Legal Hero because we are. Um, and then secondly, for the first time, I have, I, I have to say at the beginning of the podcast, I saw our guest looking at the only notes I brought, which <laughs> was about my stranger than legal. I thought there were questions you were going to okay. ask me, and I was trying to get Yeah, no, I saw you sneaking a, sneaking a peek at my notes. Oh. And so all I'm going to say... I didn't I'm, say I don't break laws. I'm not going to judge anybody. I'm not going to say anything, except I will say I think some people on the stage have an unfair advantage right now from having looked at... There weren't at, any answers. It was just questions. So. Yeah. No, it was just questions, but you've had a lot of time to think about it. So, anyway. Ask the question, Trish. Okay. So, <laughs> one of these is a true law, and one of these is not a true law. Number one, in the state of Alaska, it is legal for bartenders to give free drinks to patrons. Number two, in France, all vehicles must contain breathalyzers. So. Josh, what do you think? The first one was legal. It's legal to give alcohol? Legal. Legal. It's illegal in Illinois, I know, to give away free alcohol. So can't advertise, like, free beer. Uh, no, so it's not advertising. It's just like yeah, uh, it, you had to, to wait con- too long. And I'm going to give you a free drink because uh, I've had to wait many a time at a bar. Sure. Um, I don't. Know, I guess I'll go with number one. That's number one is a real law. It's legal in Alaska. Okay, John. I'm going to wait. I'm going to actually gonna phone pull, a friend here, <laughs> see what the audience thinks, guys. All right, bye. Noise. Who thinks that the first one, the Alaska law, is the real law? Yeah! All right. 
who thinks that the French law is the real law? All right, I'm going to go with Alaska is the real law, especially because I've driven cars in France and they didn't have breathalyzers. Okay, so I'm going to give a shout-out to my very good friend in the audience, Megan, who I went to France with earlier this year, who bought us a travel breathalyzer for us to have in our car so we would be complying with French law. Get out of here. Yeah. Is that new? So it's not new. It was enacted in 2012. So in France, you're supposed to have a travel breathalyzer in your car at all times. And uh, it's actually going out. It's been so unpopular and so poorly enforced that it is going out of law. Largely, it's if it will be, there's a bill right now that's been approved that if it's enacted, it will be removed from the law in October of this year. Alaska is one of the few states where it is illegal for bartenders to give people free drinks, no matter how pretty they are, is, is my burden in life, or how long they've waited for a drink. Well, there so, you go. Yeah. All right. So, Round two. You ready, Josh? I'm ready. All right. Option one. In Rhode Island, it is illegal for a bartender or other server to mix beer with any spirit in the same drink although they may be simultaneously served in separate glasses to the same customer. That's option number one. No mixing. Yeah, I like that one. I think it's... All right. Option number two. Sounds like a dumb law someone would think. In Utah, it is illegal to visibly mix or pour drinks, which must be mixed or poured behind uh, number an two. opaque yeah, like barrier. Yeah, it's number two. What do they call it? The something curtain? There's a name for it. Wait, in Utah, there's an alcohol law? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's the real law, Trish? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Josh, what do you think? It's number two, man. Number two is the real law. Oh, yeah. Oh, There's he like can, a, he's nailing us down. We, actually, we talked about it in <laughs> the office. This is the expertise coming we, in. Seriously, we talked about it in the office today. Uh, the something curtain, I forget what it is. Like if you, you can have a bar, you can have a drink, a cocktail, but they, they cannot make the cocktail in front of you. A lot of these states are just switching out of like low ABV beer only. Colorado... Uh, we were looking at the data today for the year because the year-end data is in. I'm a data geek. Sorry. And um, <laughs> Colorado and grocery stores never could sell more than like 3-2 beer. And uh, beer sales in Colorado grocery stores were up 883% You're welcome. In, the, in calendar year 2019. It was just me. All right. All right. That, that expertise aside, <laughs> let's see what the audience thinks. Right. Who thinks the Utah law is real? Yeah. All right. Who thinks the Rhode Island law is real? Yeah. All right, see you, tell law. Yeah. Uh, per Josh's expertise and Trisha's prejudices against Mormons, <laughs> uh, the law was intended to keep children from seeing alcohol, essentially. Uh, although it was recently, I'm, I cheated on this one. It was recently appealed or repealed. You are such a cheater. You always do this. Yeah. Well, I learned that move from you. No, no. That's and not that, true. very unfortunately, is our show for today. <laughs> I want to thank our guest, Josh Death of Revolution Brewing. Thank you. Not only for coming on the pod, teaching us about beer and sharing his beer, which was delicious with us, but for hosting us at his brew pub. For anyone who hasn't been, you really should get on that. The brew pub's at 2323 North Milwaukee, and the brewery and tap room's at 3340 North Kedzie. They're both fantastic, and if you're feeling a little FOMO, you should... I think that's the appropriate reaction. You're definitely missing out for not being here. I question your life choices. 
I also want to thank my co-hosts, Trish Rich, our executive producer, Jen Byrne, Ricardo Islas on sound, and everyone at the Legal Talk Network. Remember, you can follow us and send us your comments, questions, episode ideas, or just troll us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at CBA at the bar, all one word. Please also rate us and leave us your feedback on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcast to help us get the word out. Until next time, for everyone here at the CBA and Revolution Brewing, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon at the bar. Thank you.